The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. something new. Uh, I have complained for so long about the fact that in the opener, it looks uh, like someone else is hosting the show. It's me about, I don't know, 60 pounds in 10 years uh, earlier. <laughs> you know, and so that was interesting, Traven. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I'd like to take that. Yes, I'm speechless. There we are. How often am I speechless? That's really cool. Uh, thrilled to be here, you guys. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're coming to you live from uh, a place in my house where I've now taken up residence. <laughs> We've turned it into a makeshift studio, and I am sending everybody a big hug because I know whew, everybody needs to take a little bit of a breath, right? Let's all take a big centering breath and take a big slow inhale and a big slow exhale, right? There's a lot going on. And, um, and I know that, especially because we're coming right up against a holiday, a holiday in which we all thought that things were going to be back to normal. And we're not there. We are not there. And, you know, I remember in the early days, uh, a friend who has a, a group that's just for women over the age of 40, um, she said, she took a poll and she said, who, you know, what day do you think we'll be back to some sense of normal? And people were saying Easter, because this was early on, right? People were saying Easter, they were saying Memorial Day, they were, you know, picking random days. And I said, 4th of July. And everyone was like, what? How could you possibly think that it would take that long? And here we are, and it's going to take longer. So, I'm giving us all a hug and encouraging us all to take some breaths and take a measure and go, what do I need to do today to be okay today? What do I need to do today to be okay for the next couple of weeks? Like, what do I need to rearrange? Cause we're in this longer than we thought, right? Um, so we gotta take care of business and, and it's shifting. It's shifting every day. It gets different because, you know, what I needed to do in week two was set up a room where, where I could do the show. What I needed to do in week six was make sure that it's livable for long term, right? What I need to do now is make sure that my kiddo has an outlet to get, because we can do anything. We can stand on our head for a month, right? We can, we can do difficult things for two months. We can put up with three months, but now it seems like we're in it for the long haul. So we have to retool a little bit. And I want you to know that uh, we're going to be looking at that on the show and trying to help you guys to solve the long-term problems, right? 
and, and you can be writing into us right now to do that. I will tell you too, we've got an amazing guest and I'm so excited that she's going to be with us in just a little while. Uh, Patricia Lemer, author uh, of the book, Outsmarting Autism. How badly do you want to talk to her, right? So she's going to be coming up in just a little while. First, I want to remind you guys that there are lots of ways that you can talk with us. We are live right now on uh, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook. And I want to apologize. Apparently, we, through a confluence of events, were not live on YouTube yesterday. So I apologize, but thank you for wel welcoming us back today. Uh, sometimes we just have the technical issues, right? Um, we are also live right now on autism-live.com. And uh, then later, we will podcast to iTunes, to, um, excuse me, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. We will be available as a free download on all of those sites. Plus, we will still be available as a podcast on YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, and Periscope and Twitter, right? So, and on all of those uh, platforms, well, I guess not on iHeartRadio or Deezer, um, but on most platforms, you have a way that you can send us a message. If that doesn't work for you, I want to remind you that you can always send us a message at autism-live.com and you can always email me directly at s.penrod at autism-live.com. S as in Sam dot, which is the period, right? Then Penrod, P as in Peter, E as in Egg, N as in Nancy, R as in Robot, O as in Oscar, D as in Dog, at Autism, everybody knows how to spell that, right? Hyphen, which is the dash, the thing in the middle, Live, L as in Lollipop, I as in Igloo, V as in Victor, E as in Elephant, and that is where you can find me. Um, Okay, so thrilled to be here with you guys this morning. And I like to remind you guys that on this show, we have lots of experts and I've got a doozy today, but I'm not one of them. Just keep that in mind. I'm not an expert. I'm a mom. I'm a former teacher, a former stand-up comedian. I mean, these, <laughs> these are all credits that are important to me and I don't know anybody else, right? But this is, so I come to you with a sense of humor and a sense of humility because I know what it is to teach someone and I know what it is to teach someone when they're on the autism spectrum, both as a classroom teacher, but as a mom, because my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. And I um, am working really hard because I got really lucky and I got the help and the support that I needed to be able to get him the help and support he needed and he has flourished, which is not to say that he has no issues ever, but he has flourished. He's his own person and he's amazing. 17 years old now, and he's an amazing, amazing individual. And, you know, does he have challenges? Somebody asked me the other day, so he has no challenges anymore? Well, I, we all have challenges, right? So of course, yes, no, he still has challenges. Um, but does he have a tool chest of things that he can use to, um, overcome the challenges? Yes, his tool chest is bigger than mine. Uh, his brain is also bigger than mine. He's smarter than I am. So, um, but he didn't have the tool chest to access until we got help and support. I will say that we started intensive ABA, 40 hours a week when he was three years old. 
uh, how lucky am I, right? And how lucky am I that the state of California paid for it? Because heaven knows I couldn't afford it, right? Um, but we, but here's the other thing is that yes, we were lucky, but you know that that pillow that I want to have crocheted sometime, the 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 harder I worked, the luckier I got. I don't know, maybe it's the other way. Maybe we got lucky first and we decided to take advantage of it. So we got lucky and then we worked our tuchuses off. We made sure he did get the 40 hours of ADA and that my friends has made all the difference. Now that's his story. I know that your story might be different because your child might be eight or 15 and you didn't get the benefit. You, don't, you weren't as lucky as I was then, but you're here, you're here. You can hear me talking. So let's say that luck has changed. And when is a good time to start? How about now? So I'm, I'm glad you're here. And it isn't one size fits all. So write in and tell us what you need and let's see if we can't get you some help and support, right? Um, but my mission is to provide inspiration and information. That's what we do here at Autism Live. That's what our whole inspiration and information, that's our mission, right? And by the way, we wanna give that to the entire autism community. That means the folks who are on the autism spectrum, of course, it starts with them. They are the beating heart of this community. But I include in the community, everyone who loves them. This is the parents, the teachers, the grandparents, the spouses, the boyfriends, the girlfriends, the cousins, the friends, the friends. These are the people who love these individuals and wanna help them to get the employment, the, the housing, the respect, the relationships, the, you know, everything, any resources that they need so that they can lead the full life that they choose, right? So um, that's, what we're, that's what we're here about. That's what I'm here about. That's what the, the whole thing is. I'm saying hi to Ames. Uh, so who says, thank you for doing these. I go back and watch when I got to run back and forth with my kids, LOL. Well, we adore that and we adore you. Thank you so much for being here. <coughs> Excuse me, and now I'm gonna choke. <coughs> I beg your pardon. But before we get to our guest, we have one more thing that we have to do. We have a series of things that we do in the morning. On Thursday, we like to start with something we fondly refer to as, <coughs> excuse me, the jargon of the day. And it's not coughing. Oh, <coughs> today's is a doozy. I got I to gotta move my windows around because I'm going to need this. So we've been talking about differential reinforcement. I know, who thought we would get excited about that? 10 years ago, if somebody had said, you'll be leading a show and talking about differential reinforcement, I would have laughed until I fell off the seat that I was sitting on. Because I would have been like, I don't even know what that is, right? I guess at 10 years ago, my son was already diagnosed. So uh, I was just beginning to know what differential, but hosting a show and talking about it, no. That that would still have been crazy talk. But here we are. Here we are because it's so important. And when I learned what it really was and how to utilize it, boy, lights on and lots of stuff going on. Hi, Stan, saying hello to Stan. Um, uh, Stan says, as a pediatric neuropsychologist, uh, hello, I'm impressed. I can certainly say that you as a parent of a child uh, uh, with autism and as an advocate are more of an expert than many. Well, Stan, you and I are best friends now. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're comfortable with that. That's very sweet. But the truth is, you know, I like to say that I have an informed opinion, having been a parent of 
someone on the spectrum for, so now what are we talking about? 13 years, something like that. I am coming back to DRO, uh, Draven. But um, so 13 years, 14 years, I guess it's, no, it's like 15 years now. Um, almost 15 years since my son was diagnosed. Um, and, you know, you learn along the way, but not an expert, you know, I'm still learning, but I consider myself in the classroom and sitting in the front row. That's what I like to say. And now I've been hosting shows about autism for, you know, I, I don't even know now. I'm going to have to do the math. It might be 13 years now that I've been hosting shows about autism. So, and I've interviewed a fair amount of people. Um, so I do like to say that I have an informed opinion. <laughs> not an expert, informed opinion. Okay, so today, uh, back to differential reinforcement. We talked about differential reinforcement as an umbrella. We talked about DRA. And now today we're going to talk about DRO. And it's going to be confusing. So get ready. I still get confused. Let's take a look at what our actual definition is. Let's see if we can make some fun of it. Because heaven knows we need to find joy wherever we can find it. And sometimes just making fun of the jargon is all we can find. Differential reinforcement of other. Okay, so yesterday it was DRA, which was alternative, and now it's other. Those seem similar, don't they? But there is a difference. Um, differential reinforcement of other behaviors is omission therapy. Um, reinforcement is given in the absence of the targeted behavior or is given as long as the tar targeted inappropriate behavior does not uh, occur. All right, uh, there's not a lot to make fun of here, except that if you don't understand what differential reinforcement of other behaviors is, you're certainly not gonna understand what omission therapy is, right? Uh, but reinforcement is given in the absence of the targeted uh, behavior or is given as long as the targeted uh, inappropriate behavior does not exist. Okay, so let's go to our working definition and let's see if we can we can tear this down and build it back up, right? Uh, so DRO, being mindful and specific about what you're rewarding so that, oh, that's the one from DRA. I think we have the wrong one. That's okay. Uh, just don't pay attention to that, you guys. So in DRA, what we're doing is we're saying that, we're, you know, so we talked about the kids spitting on their hands. And, and then, you know, um, putting it all over the desk. And we found an alternative behavior that gave the same reward, right? We were looking specifically for something that either competed with that or, or in fact gave the same paycheck as that. In DRO, we're gonna reward absolutely everything except the behavior that we don't wanna have. So let's say that for instance, and this, this works um, sometimes when you've got a behavior that's hard to get at, right? So let's say that um, a kiddo is pinching the dog and we're having a hard time figuring out, is it the attention? Um, is it the sensory? Like it's probably a component of both of those, right? But we really need this behavior to stop. So we are going to praise everything else and we're going to try to block so that they can't pinch the dog and just praise, 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 praise everything else, everything else, right? Um, but if, so we create a party environment where the lights are on and everybody's happy. There we are. Giving a reward when the behavior isn't happening. If the behavior happens, the reward or access to the reinforcer stops. That's the right one for DRO. 
So do you see the difference between those? So in, in, in DRA, you're picking a specific intervention, you've given an alternative behavior and you're rewarding that, right? For DRO, you're rewarding the world and you create this party environment. But if the behavior happens that is targeted, it's like everything goes radio silence. So imagine a, uh, you know, a room full of people and everybody's dancing and having a good time and then something happens and everybody freezes, right? Now it's not gonna be that dramatic in your home because you're not gonna hire people to come in and dance and sing and play music all the time, but it's that feeling. Like it's like a light switch, like life is good and we're happy and you've got mom's attention and you did the behavior and now what happened, right? And it really, if you do it right, it gets the, the, the individual's attention and they go, like something just changed um, and I'm not getting the good stuff anymore. So giving a reward when the behavior isn't happening. And I mean, so if, if it's pinching the dog and you got to have that stop, uh, you know, they may only pinch the dog one time in the day. So that means that the whole day, everything is wonderful, wonderful. And you're still actively block blocking because what we want is to not have the pinching the dog, right? But if you mess up, you don't quite get there. He pinches the dog, TV goes off, everything is silent, no attention, no discussion because that's attention, right? It's like flatline. Uh, there's no, you know, it, this is hard for people because they're like, well, I need to tell him this is why, but no, no, that's attention. It's just the lat line, that sucker, light switch, no fun. Including negative reinforcement or, or um, negative attention, excuse me, not negative reinforcement. Uh, okay, so, uh, all right, does everybody get that? That's the difference between DRA and DRO. Don't, be, don't beat yourself up if you don't get it because I still have to be reminded, but they are very distinctly different, even though other and alternatives sound very close to each other. Okay, so moving on, we always have a question of the day for you. And our question today is, what's your favorite thing to do? What is your favorite thing to do? And does that change? Like, is your favorite thing to do today something that's gonna be different than it's gonna be on Saturday? Or is it your favorite thing to do all the time? Or is it your favorite thing to do like 99% of the time? Um, and I'm going to ask you this because, first of all, we're seeing that a lot of folks are dealing with depression right now. And that uh, one of the hallmarks of depression is when you don't feel like doing anything. Um, and before, you know, there gets to a point with depression where it's so deep that you need a lot of other support. But on the way to there, there are sort of you know, stop places where you can help, you know, yourself to kind of get yourself a little bit propped back up. And one of them is doing, spending some time doing things that are your favorite thing to do. And, you know, sometimes we get stuck into, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. Like, I love to watch me some television. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't feel like I, before COVID, I didn't, you know, there were a bunch of things on Netflix that I had not, I had never, that's not true. I'd watched one episode of Ozark because Dina Kimmel from We Rock the Spectrum had said to me, you've got to watch this. It's incredible. Um, and I watched one episode and I was like, oh, it's good. But I really just didn't have the time to commit to it. Now I've watched three seasons of Ozark. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little satiated on the television thing. 
Um, so sometimes my point is sometimes what we do for ourselves that's good, we get to the point where we go, okay, I've had enough of that. Uh, and then you got to look at your list and say, what else do I have on that list? What else can I do? This weekend is the perfect opportunity that, you know, make a list of the things that you would like to do and then make a list of what you think your child would like to do. And if your child has enough uh, receptive and expressive language to sit with you and make a list of things that they would like to do, um, you may not be able to do all of them. But I would bet that if you can, you can get creative and at least do some of them on the list. And if you can, it's going to help everybody's state of mind. And we really need to be very mindful of people's states of mind right now. Um, but every needs, everybody needs to be doing something. So is there a craft project that you wanted to do or you know, are you wanting to move your body a little bit? How creative can, I know somebody who um, was like, my kid needs a pool and I don't have a pool. My kid needs exercise and I can't take them to the park because they won't wear the mask. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she had a backyard that was, you know, a postage stamp backyard, but just big enough. She ordered one of those uh, water bouncy houses that takes up pretty much her backyard but her kid goes out there and has, you know, the, the time of his life. Now, was it expensive? Yes. But she was saying, you know, across, I can't pay for camp, can't go to Chuck E. Cheese, can't, you know, I can't go to Disneyland. Um, it was $245 for the bouncy house. And that's our summer budget. But I've got a place for him to work out his yayas and have that water thing. So I'm saying we're going to have to get creative here, right? Uh, okay. So what's your favorite thing to do? Make sure you make a list for you. And if you're a parent of a kiddo on the spectrum, have them make a list or you make a list or work with them to make a list, okay? Uh, somebody says, my favorite thing to do is uh, to swim and it never, ever changes. I hope and pray that you have access to a swimming pool this summer. And if you don't, like, let's, let's get creative. Like how, how can you make it happen? Is it, you know, it's, it's not the same thing in a bathtub, but um, you know, my kiddo loves to swim and normally we would be in the pool all the time. So I'm having to be creative about figuring out how we're going to do that. Cause we do not have a pool. It's a bummer. Uh, okay. So I watched and listened Shannon's jargon of the day on the way to my RVT exam in 2018. You were my study guide, LOL. I, I said the other day, this cracks me up to no end that we started the jargon because uh, we didn't understand what the experts are saying. And now the on the way to being experts are learning the jargon from us, which is hilarious, but I love it because I think I think what you get is the parent perspective of it. And how could that be that, right? Uh, okay. Uh, and, and there used to be a BCBA who stood over my shoulder and made sure I didn't say anything wrong. We don't have that anymore. So for those of you who are watching who are BCBAs, write in and tell me if I'm, I'm way off into you know, Murphy land. Uh, okay. So what's your favorite thing to do? Uh, love to hear more of that. You can write into us right now on Facebook or on YouTube. And then moving on, we always have a topic of the week. And our topic this week is about running our own race. Uh, you can't do what everybody else is doing. So I told you the story about the mom who decided to put the bouncy house, the water slide bouncy house in her backyard 
that may not be a possibility for you because you may not have a big enough backyard or, you know, $250 is just not a possibility right now. Um, you know, and, and you got to not beat yourself up about that. You are doing an amazing job. If you have found us, then you are already so on it and looking for answers that you're doing an amazing job. You got to ask yourself, okay, if I can't do that, what can I do? And it might be that you, you know, get a sprinkler and, um, and do that. Uh, somebody says, my favorite thing is a nap. I need a nap. We are putting up a trampoline with a cover and a tent over it. I love that. But a nap, yes, naps are a thing devoutly to be wished, right? Uh, okay, so I love that you guys are writing in and tell us, telling us uh, what your favorite things are to do and what you're doing because we're, we're just going to get in that mindset of for the long haul here. Uh, Emma wants to know, I want to know why my mom didn't pick up on my autism when I was younger and get me diagnosed. I'm 44 now. Well, Emma... 44 years ago, this program didn't exist and no one was talking about autism. So your mom was loving you exactly the way you were and seeing you for exactly who you were and not knowing that there was something that would one day, you know, we'd be able to look at it and go, oh, Emma um, thinks of things in an entirely different way. And Emma is her own person. And Emma may need some help with this, but Emma's going to be really good at that. And I'm sure that it's frustrating for you that you didn't get the, the help and the support when you probably needed it the most, you know, especially in the teen and the 20 years. Those are hard years for everyone. But when you're working on an operating system and, and you don't understand why everybody is doing things one way and you're seeing them another way, like I can't even imagine how frustrating that would have been for you. But I'm so glad that you're here now, Emma. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that for you, you'll be able to find some things that make it possible for you to do all the things that you can now. Um, and that somewhere down the road, you will see that your mom did the best she could. And that, you know, if she had, if she'd had been exposed, that's why we do the show, you know, because, um, to talk about it more and to make it um, possible for more parents to realize, oh, my kid's okay. My kid's just on the autism spectrum and they're going to need some help with X, Y, and Z, right? Um, so I'm sending you some love, Emma, and I'm so glad that you're here and we love to hear your insights. Uh, thank you, Dr. Luan. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, I've gone on so long now, we got to bring our guest in. Patricia Lemer is here with us and I'm going to admit her into the, uh, she was waiting in the waiting room and as soon as we can. We're going to have to have her mute the, the show because we're getting an echo here. But uh, Patricia, we can turn on your mic and your camera and uh, we're gonna welcome her in here. She is the author of an amazing book called Outsmarting Autism. And uh, we can't wait to talk with her. Patricia, are you there? Can you turn on your camera? Uh, one of the subheadings, there's a couple of different subheadings uh, to the book, but one of them is the ultimate uh, guide to management, healing and prevention. So absolutely, I'm so excited to hear about that. So uh, Patricia, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. And that subheading is the 
book from 2014. Uh, I was going to say, why are there two subheadings for the two books? Because are they two separate books? They are two separate books. The, the newer book um, was published a year ago, and it's a very different book from the first book. It's an updated and expanded version that has about a third new material in it. Okay. So the subtitle to that really is more inclusive that we're gonna build healthy foundations for communication, socialization and behavior at all ages. Well, wonderful. And, and this newer book, you just recently won a very prestigious award. It is a, a distinguishing award. Tell us about I that. Did. Thank you. This was a Nautilus Award, and Nautilus gives awards in over 30 categories to books, everything from um, nonfiction, fiction, uh, memoirs, and my book won a Silver Award, which is a runner-up award in parenting. Wow. Well, that's pretty prestigious. I'm impressed. Thank you. There were over um, 500 entries, they said. And I don't know how many awards they gave in these 30 categories. Maybe That's incredible. Three or four in each category. So you have a pretty extensive uh, resume um, in this area, and you are an LPC. Tell our, our viewers what an LPC is. An LPC is a licensed professional counselor. It's analogous to being a social worker. It's a mental health professional who does counseling on a short-term basis, not like a psychologist. And it's more directive than a psychologist would be more global. A, a counselor is um, more directive and short-term. Okay, and, and how long have you been working in the field of autism? Because it's been a while. It's been a long time. Autism reared its ugly head, as you know, at the end of the 1980s, early 90s. And since I had seen one person with autism and nobody else had, I was an instant expert. So <laughs> it's about 30 years. Wow. Um, and the but prior to that, I'd been working with all other kinds of disabilities. So if you look at the spectrum and consider the lesser forms of autism, which you, we were ADD or um, Asperger's, I was involved with that since the late 70s. And then 10 years prior to that, I was involved primarily with um, genetic disorders, physical disabilities, cognitive disabilities. So my career started in, the, in about 1967. So it's quite, a, it's quite a long journey and it's been an amazing, amazing journey. I feel so blessed and honored and um, just great gratitude for all the people I've met and the families that I've worked with. It's been so much fun and so interesting and gratifying. And so what was, having already written one book about outsmarting autism, what was the, the motivation for coming out with this new one with the new information in it? Well, 
this is actually my third book. My first book was written in 2008, and that's called Envisioning a Bright Future. And I was very involved with optometry, and I still am, in helping people understand the role of vision issues in autism and other disabilities. And then um, I focused more on the autism and the, the causes and treatments of autism, and that was the first Outsmarting Autism book. But then several things happened. There was um, much more research into the microbiome. There was much more interest in technology and the invention of the iPad. There was um, interest in the vagus nerve and in um, some of the more um, contemporary treatments such as um, CBD. And so these things were bombarding me. And just like I had to download my brain into the first outsmarting autism, it was getting full again with some of these new treatments. And I really wanted to write about them and update um, my, my book. And it's basically the same premise as the, as the second book, the 2014 book in that what causes autism, everything. And I called this total load theory. And um, that's really my signature, but I did want to add these new load factors and some of these new treatments. Okay, so you've got everybody's attention here because this is you're talking in an area where, um, well, I won't say that there's no information, but I can't think of another resource where it's all in one place. Let's say that there is so, there is no other resource right. that it's all in one place. And and two things have happened. A couple of people have called this kind of the Bible of autism mm -hmm. because it does go through the lifespan. It actually starts prenatally for those um, couples who were considering conceiving. And those are my one of my favorite demographics was I want to go to the wedding and then hand them my book and say, right. read the last chapter on preventing autism. And this book also, and thank you for adding that piece, because this book also goes significantly, much more significantly into adulthood. And with that first wave of autism in the late 80s and early 90s, those individuals are now young adults. And yeah. nobody was prepared for this wave. And well, what do they do when the school bus stops coming? What do they do when mommy and daddy aren't here anymore? And so there was this burst of um, post-school programs and programs for young adults. And I wanted to include a lot of those also, which were not in the prior book. Amazing. So let's let's pause for just a second and, and talk about where can people get the book and get all of the books, actually, because I know there are already people who are interested about talking about autism and vision. So uh, where can we get all three books? All three books are on Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble and in bookstores, which I don't think are very open, but they're also at many, many public libraries. You don't have to buy it, although I think you will want to own it because it does go through the lifespan. And um, 
somebody said to me, you should, here's, here's the book. And they said, you should put duct tape over autism and say, write on it everything. That this is a book about outsmarting everything. <laughs> because it does cover a lot of different health related issues, which have behavioral and psychological symptoms to them. And, you know, on this show, uh, Patricia, forgive me, I hope that you won't uh, be offended by this, but we call uh, some books bathroom books because, <laughs> because we feel that they're so important that you want to get the book and you want to stick it on the back of the tank of the bathroom because sometimes <laughs> you don't have time to read a book cover to cover, right? And especially if you've got a kiddo in intervention, like, you know, your time is at a premium. But, you know, you pick up the book for a couple of minutes while you're in the bathroom and you get to read something and go, okay, I have something more. My day is enriched. Um, this is a great bathroom book. I'm just saying. It definitely saying. is a great bathroom book. And what makes it such a great bathroom book is it's got a great index. And so you can look up any subject quickly. I'm as proud of the index Um as I am of the book. And I just, I had a wonderful indexer who has done both of my outsmarting autism books. So I challenge anyone to find a subject that's not in the index. All and right. as you said, nobody's going to read this book cover to cover. It's just, it's over 600 pages. It's too big. You don't need it all now. If your child's five, you don't need to read about adults yet. And if your child's an adult, you don't need to read about the early area early stages. So it's, it's something that make the index makes it very user friendly. And I also want to say too, that um, because you talk about so many different things, I, you know, I will be honest that uh, we try to talk about everything on this show, uh, but we can't, right. right? We can't possibly talk about everything on the show. And a lot of what we talk about is ABA. Um, but, and, and a lot of times people will write in and say, could you please talk about some of the other therapies and treatments? And people always want more information about what's happening biomedically with their child and what their choices are and diets and things like that. So, um, what a great book for those people right. want to get that comprehensive. I want to know everything that's out there, everything that's available so that I can look at it. Um, and, and as you said, you download your brain into this book. Right, I sure did. And of <laughs> course, there is a, a chapter on ABA, but there's so many chapters and ABA is a piece of the pie, but we want people to look at some of the other areas too. And a lot of it is biomedical and, and I don't really get to the things that parents value most with talking and relating, having friends until a good three quarters of the way into the book, because what I'm doing is the subtitle, I'm building healthy foundations. And I strongly believe that you have a healthy body, you have a healthy mind. And there's so many aspects of having that healthy body from diet to movement, to sensory, to motor, before we get to the language and the behavior. There we go. Uh, and again, we, you can get the book on Amazon. Um, so there are the two books, Outsmarting Autism. Can you hold up the one, the more recent one so that they can yeah, see? Yeah, it's the, the cover yellow is, one. 
the yellow one because there's the other one that's black and has right. a beautiful tree on it but this is right. the yellow one and this is uh, the same artist that did the tree and love it. so it just it i love the graphic because it just shows you how many things are going on in the brain absolutely yep. so amazon but uh barnes and noble and every yep. uh, major books seller and again it's called outsmarting autism and right and Patricia, it has there's, a, there's an electric electronic version too so okay. you can you can get it by kindle or um nook or any of those electronic ones instantly there we go and and she her name is patricia lemur you can see it on the screen unless you're watching on itunes uh l-e-m-e-r so there right, it is so that you guys and it's lemur it's lemur like i'm lemur. sorry it's okay everybody does that lemur. lemurs lemurs are those funny animals with bushy tails in madagascar i just we, went to see them <laughs> we we actually there's a there's a woman who does a show called the lemur mom and it's no about kidding. being an autism mom, but she no. relates it. So that's why I've been saying lemur, but so it's okay. not, I, I yeah. apologize. Uh, but uh, in any case, um, so now that you've talked about some of these things, they've written in some questions and they wanna know, because you mentioned that it talks about prevention and that it talks about uh, causes. And so we have one person who's saying, ma'am, could you please tell us how does one get autism? And, and then we want, they want to know how to, how to prevent autism. And I, this is probably get, get your book, right? Is yeah, the answer to that question. <laughs> so um, you don't get autism like you get the coronavirus and you get autism by this total load idea is that everybody has a threshold here and that you have different load factors. These are stressors on the immune system, the gastrointestinal system, they're environmental, they're genetic, they're epigenetic, they're all kinds of stressors. Everything from being locked in home on a lockdown where you can't go to the playground and as you said, don't have a swimming pool or camp to go to, to those things that we were born with. Maybe there was mold in the house when the baby was conceived. Maybe the parents carry some of the genes that put you at high risk. Maybe the, um, the baby didn't have enough movement opportunities as a young child and the reflexes didn't emerge. So each one of these is a mild stressor that approaches this threshold. And when there's too many, the child is over threshold and the higher you're over the threshold, the more severe your autism is. And so when we go to look at what we can do to, to make the child better functioning, we then remove the stressors until we get down to the threshold and maybe we can remove that diagnosis if we're very, very lucky. And we actually, um, start with the last one or the bit one that has the biggest impact and to get that that threshold down so and for every for every indi individual then the the stressors are going to be different that's great and thank you for saying that and i compare it to playing cards you know you're playing with the same 52 cards and there's more than 52 stressors here but every hand is different and you can play 
over bridge over canasta over and over again and get a different hand. You almost never get the same hand. Um, infinite number of possibilities. And so that's what's made my career so interesting is looking at what were your stressors? What were your child's stressors that made this happen? I also wanna, wanna put it out there because I know parents are really sensitive that um, to be clear that it, some, of the, some of the things are not necessarily things that you have control of that, or that you have control of or can right. have control of now. It's not their but, fault. Definitely right. not their fault. But and there are, it's like the serenity prayer, right? Uh, yeah. uh, let me, grant me the serenity to accept the things I yeah. cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So your book helps you to define what the stressors are and to see which ones you can control. And in what order you can remove them to get the biggest bang for your buck. And this is a problem that I have encountered over the years that parents are talking to each other now on the internet and elsewhere and saying, oh, um, you tried um, whatever, hyperbaric oxygen or vision therapy. I think I'll go try that for my kid. And this isn't a grocery store. We're not gonna try this brand of soup and see what happens. This is, it has to be a very systemic look at your child's unique situation. And that's what the book helps you do is go step by step. And there's a great checklist in there for you to figure out what were your child's biggest stressors and how do you remove them? Okay. You asked then, the other question about prevention. Yeah. And then if the prevention is for young couples and my line is that healthy parents have healthy kids. And if we remove the parents' stressors prior to conception, that will take the load off the child and some of the load. We can't guarantee that you're not gonna have a child with autism, but we can lessen that risk. We know what those risk factors are. And I can throw out a couple of them um, the risk factors of, for instance, sonograms. The research shows that there's a relationship between the number of sonograms and the number of ear infections and the number of allergies, which are then subsequent risk factors that go on to autism. So if you can limit your number of sonograms without risking the health of the baby, <laughs> that's something that you want to consider when you're pregnant. And a sonogram is just this super loud sound in the baby's ears. And it shows us, it gives us very good medical information, but it also has a possible negative side effect on those ears of that little um, growing baby. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm an example. Uh, you know, I didn't give birth to my son until I was almost 41 years old. And um, so, and I had already had a, a miscarriage and we were not sure that I was gonna be able to carry this baby to term. And so there were a lot of sonograms we did. And, and, and the truth was that there were some times that they were like, mm, you know, should we do another sonogram or not? And I was like, yes, I wanna make sure that everything of is course. okay. Armed with this knowledge, I might've waited and not gotten all the sonograms that we got, right? Right. Um, so it's, it's knowledge. And your miscarriage, again, 
which we we mourn it's you know it's a terrible oh, loss yeah. and grief for for a couple and for the mother who's had the yeah. miscarriage but it's nature's way of saying honey that's not a viable pregnancy you know you're above your threshold let's um clean you out with this miscarriage and i know it's difficult and you will get pregnant again we will help you this is like a woman having her period, it cleans you out and the miscarriage is a way of, of cleaning out the toxins and maybe making a better Petri dish for growing a healthy child. Yes, I mean, you couldn't have convinced me of that at the time because I was <laughs> I, I was just turning 40 uh -huh. and, I was, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna get to have another Wait, baby. Your time's but running out. Fact, yeah. But yeah. in fact, it, it did set me up so that we had the successful pregnancy, but probably way too many sonograms. And he ended up uh, being diagnosed on the spectrum. Um, but uh, somebody else has written in and said that they want to know at what age will a child speak on the autism spectrum? And the further question is they want to know at what age did my child speak and how did we work on speech? But I'd also love to hear from you what you recommend and what you think. Um, and, I, and I how didn't get it. At what age will a child speak? Is that the word? Yes. Yes, they want to know when will when should a child on the autism speak? And it, yeah, that's like crapshoot. It's like, you know, uh, normal normal vocal speech comes in a little after a year, about fourteen months, about the same time as walking in a developmental um, normal developmental sequence. But this is now one of the most exciting things that's happening in autism, and. If you want to have an amazing guest on your program, you could get Judy Chinitz, who has just found out that her totally nonverbal son has taken in all this information without uttering a single word. And he is now using a spelling board to show her that he understands college level mathematics, that he understands French, and that he's been <laughs> quietly reading his brother's college textbooks and she's preparing him to go to college and he has been in the lowest lowest level cognitive classes where he has been so bored and nobody had a clue that he was cognitively bright Gifted. yeah and, and and was and she now has opened a little center to teach some of these um, individuals who are not speaking who, to communicate with the world and to get inside their brains. It's fascinating. It's absolutely, absolutely. fascinating. That's incredible. I wrote down her name. Yeah. Um, and I just want to agree that, you know, I, over the, the time that I've been an autism mom and covering autism, I've met so many families and every story is a little bit different. You asked specifically about my story. My son was speaking way early. Um, he was he was speaking, I think he said mama was the first word, not dada, which is, you know, that in and of itself is interesting, right? Uh, I think he was six months old when he said mama. And wow. we had full sentences um, by the time, I mean, like right around a year we had full sentences. He, and he was singing very early too. He wow. was a very vocal, vocal kid. And then he, um, 
I've told the story many times before, he sort of, it's how it appeared to me, you know, if we could go back forensically and, and if, I wished I'd videotaped every day so we could go, oh, look at that. Um, but how it appeared to me was that things just sort of stalled at a certain point and we weren't learning anything new. Um, and then he started to lose all the things, all the skills that he had gained uh, until we got to the point where he was pretty, I mean, he was considered largely nonverbal. He still could utter sounds and he still had three words that he would say, but they weren't purposeful. So he would say dog and he would just go dog, 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 dog for hours. And he wasn't wow. looking at a dog, wasn't requesting a dog. It, it was just a sound. It was a stim. Um, so that's, that's not an unusual story, as right. you know, and it, you know, everyone is different, but the, the good news for a, a person like your son is that because it was in there yeah. prior, we know we can get it, perhaps get it back if we can access it. And, and that was what they kept telling me when he did get a diagnosis. And I was panicked because having had the language and lost it. Right. I was always worried that we were going to lose skills again, but my son is fully verbal now. He's 17 and getting ready to apply to colleges and is applying to Harvard. But we, you know, we did a lot of work to get his language back, but he fully got his language Isn't back. That wonderful. And, well, and we did some, all the right things. Well, we tried and we did some biomedical and I will say that him doing the methyl B12 shots for a period of time helped because we did a lot of ABA and then he just was struggling language wise. He knew what he wanted to say, but to access it, he couldn't right. quite get it. And the methyl B12 was like the thing that put it all in, in, in place. And that's but every not an time unusual story either. Yeah. Right. So, you know, for your son and for a lot of others, methyl B12 can be magic and other kids can have it and right. not get much benefit. So it, it's so individual. And, it, yes. and I have a radio show like yours. It's I'm only on twice a month, but I call myself the autism detective. And I love that because it is just really detective work, looking for the clues, you know, and trying to figure out what what's why did he hit a wall? And, right. and it'll help us understand how to get him back. Isn't it amazing? But yeah. I... Uh, you know, it's all very fascinating. And over the years, hearing everybody's stories, I, you know, one of the things that really lit a light bulb for me, because my son appeared to be developing typically um, uh, for such, such a long period of time. But later on, when I read something that Temple Grandin had said, um, she had said, she said, cause she knows she meets people with autism right. probably more than anybody else. She, you know, she's walking through the airport and people run up to her and she started asking them all a question that she would say, does the child have eczema and do you have eczema? Um, isn't that interesting? And she said, yeah. because I'm noticing that uh, that meeting people with autism, that they have skin related issues and that one or both of the parents has skin related issues. Um, and then have you run into that? A very, very often. And so from a, a homeopathic point of view and Chinese medicine, your skin is the first thing that goes when you get sick. And so eczema is a release of some kind of toxin that is making an irritation. And it frequently is dairy products 
And I don't know if that was in your case, but taking a child off of dairy products and sometimes wheat also or gluten containing grains can be extremely helpful with eczema. But when you suppress the eczema by putting creams on it that make it go deeper, then you start seeing gastrointestinal issues. And when you are healing a body, you, if you heal the gastrointestinal issues and do it in reverse order, you often see severe eczema after that's healing or even boils or acne because the skin is one of our detox organs or it's our largest detox organ. And so that is a sign that something is irritating the, the body. Isn't and I, we are like out of time, but uh, obviously we could spend four hours talking with you, Patricia. But the the real answer here is to get the book uh, and read about some of the things. And then where can they hear your radio show? My radio show is on HealthyLife.net. It's on the second and fourth Tuesday, and it's at um, ten o'clock. The same as this, ten o'clock. Pacific one o'clock Eastern. And um, I'm just the the twice a month. Okay. And I I, I just, if I have a one minute, I would just like to talk about the vision issues and autism because I was really the first person to write about that. And that first book was called Envisioning a Bright Future. And it's really, really important that people read that chapter of my book and understand that 2020 eyesight is not sufficient. Eyesight and vision are different and that vision is cognitive. It's, it's the ability to think and organize and conceptualize and ideate. And all of those things are problematic for many of our people with autism from the beginning of focusing on and organizing what they see. And we note that because of their generally poor eye contact in many of them. And that is a clue that something is going on with vision and that they need to get an evaluation by a developmental optometrist. And I can help them find that person if they wanna email me at developdelay at gmail. um, I would be happy to help them find people in their area. I ran a nonprofit. I started in the mid nineties. I have a database of over 20,000 people around the world. And I can almost always come up with a specialist within miles of where people live, which is really fun. (laughs) And an optometrist is easy to find. Okay. And I want, because I know a parent that I just was talking to them two days ago and I couldn't think of, I, do you in your book talk about the doctor that is in, it's either Ireland or Scotland that does the different colored lenses to help with toe walking? Do you know who I'm my, talking about? My book talks about that. That's Helen Erlen, I-R-L-E-N, the, the Erlen lenses. But that's very different than the kind of thing I'm talking about. The vision issues I'm talking about are the two eyes not working together or yes. focusing or problems. The Erlen lenses can be helpful, and that is just a piece of the visual issues. It's not the the underlying problem. 
There's, there's just so much here to talk about. We'll have to have you back on the show. And, and I just want to thank you so much for the work that well, you're thank doing. Thank you for this opportunity. It just, um, I heard about you through Christina Adams and I Love. really appreciate you having me on. And can I just say too, that you were so such a good egg. We, we had a little bit of a hiccup here um, no because a, a, a dear friend of, of the show and a dear friend of mine passed away and we canceled some shows and, and we forgot to tell Patricia. And Patricia was a trooper and a professional. I would have been mad as a boiled owl, but she was so good about it. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's been thank such you. a pleasure. And any friend of Christina Adams is a friend of ours. So yeah, she's terrific. So let me just show them my book again, Outsmarting yes. Autism. And it's it's readily available. And if your library doesn't have it, ask them to order it. There we go. Thank you so much for being with okay, us. Okay, Shannon, thank you. Right, you take care. All right, uh, bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. I just want to say goodbye to you guys because um, tomorrow starts the Temple Grandin 4th of July Marathon. So uh, what you will see over the weekend will be all pre-recorded episodes with Temple Grandin, uh, but we love to show those to you so that you've got a place to go during the break, but we're taking a couple of days off. We will be back here on Monday. Um, and in fact, I got a special show planned for you on Monday where we're going to be talking about play and ways to have fun and more of this talking about how are we shifting now? Uh, because... I, I think we're, I think we're going to be this new reality. It's going to shift and mold and, and we got to, we got to address this. So um, that's going to be on Monday, but until then give your kiddos a hug for me, one for you to have a happy, safe 4th of July. We'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye for now.